Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I got to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody that I met at Too Many Games. I was hanging out at Dan and Christoph's booth and met so many people walking around. People came over, people bumping into me as I was wandering about trying to find some stuff. So it was awesome meeting everybody. Uh, and also, thank you so much to everybody that showed up for the panel. I'm pretty sure I forgot to thank everybody there, which I know is a very bonehead move. I'm sorry, but I was just very excited because there was a big crowd that showed up, an awesome crowd, some great questions afterwards. So uh, my apologies for not thanking you in the moment, but thank you so much to everybody that showed up. Uh, if you have any feedback, please let me know because that's kind of... Uh, I guess you could consider this like an expo tour, like I'm going to be working out this presentation and then eventually making it into a video, but I just want to do it live first to get everybody's opinions on it and make sure I hit all of the most important points. And it's not too long either, so for anybody coming for any of the upcoming expos, it was only like 15-20 minutes of actual presentation and then a very cool and laid back Q&A session. So once again, thank you so much to everybody and let's jump into the weekly stuff. First up, Terra Onion has just released a free firmware update to any users of their Neo SD Pro ROM cart that allows you to play Neo Geo CD games on it as well. So essentially now it's an optical drive emulator as well as a ROM cart. Um, and it works great, but the only problem is that the way Neo Geo motherboards are made, you can't pass stereo audio through the motherboard. And this would be with any cart solution at all. So if you have any cartridge, whether it's a custom game or a ROM cart like this that creates its own audio, you would need to have some kind of external mixing. Um, and since the, none of the carts out there support that now at the moment, that means the Neo SD Pro could only pump the Neo Geo CD audio as mono through any existing solution. Uh, now, for me personally, it doesn't matter, but that's definitely something to keep in mind because depending on your setup, that might be very important to you. But overall, I mean, I just I think a free option added to a cart you may already own is always an amazing thing. So I think uh, that's pretty awesome. Unfortunately, though, anytime you have a situation like this, you always end up with what I like to call the drummer syndrome. Whereas, you know, growing up, you see bands where whenever they get a new member and they're being interviewed, always it's asked, oh, how's the new drummer? And inevitably, when they answer, great, somebody interprets that as, oh, so you're saying your old drummer's shit. And that's exactly what happened with this. I said, I think this is awesome and I love it. And a lot of people immediately interpreted that as me saying the rest are shit. Um, if I thought that, I would have said it. I think anybody that follows the channel knows I have no problem being blunt. Uh, but the truth is, I ordered the original Neo SD AES pretty much the moment it came out, and I loved it. Then I eventually sold that at the same period of time where I had to sell pretty much everything. Uh, and then when I got an MVS stand-up cab, I then bought the Darksoft MVS cart. Loved that one. And then I eventually sold that in order to buy the Darksoft AES cart and Cousin Scott has that one now. We both loved it, no complaints whatsoever. And it just so happens that the Neo SD Pro MVS, whenever it is released, will most likely be the best solution for my current scenario, which I'll have a video on probably by the end of the summer, just <clears throat> a fun little project I'm working on. So I, I really genuinely like all three. I said that in the original review video, so if you haven't seen that, please watch it. Uh, and my only advice is pick whatever solution fits your needs the best. Or, or maybe none of them. Um, you know, while I would not call any of these overpriced, I think they're very, very fairly priced for the technology and the cost of the parts that are inside it. They're definitely expensive. 
all of them. So, you know, this isn't for everybody. If you're just a casual Neo Geo fan, as I stated in the first video, maybe use emulation or play the same games on other consoles. But I could confidently say that if you insist on using real hardware like I do, um, any of these solutions, all three of the ROM carts available, you will be happy with. Just pick whichever one has the features that are tailored closest to your needs, or price, I guess, depending. So, I don't know, lots of love for all three of these cards, uh, carts, no negativity whatsoever coming from me. Uh, so, hopefully that echoes through, uh, through these reviews and stuff. I really just got nothing but good things to say about all of them. Last week, a bunch of reviews of the Mega SD went live, and everybody seems to be in agreement that it's absolutely awesome. I'm very proud of my video. I thought I did a pretty good job. And uh, while, of course, I always try to improve and there's always things you'd look back on, uh, there really wasn't too much that uh, I feel like needs clarifying about it. Um, I did still have a few video capture errors, but you know, with this video, I could have used composite with everything and it wouldn't have taken away from the point of the video. Everything would have looked uglier, but capture wasn't the focus on this one, so that doesn't bother me so much. There were just two points that uh, I probably could have articulated better in the video. And the first is cost, and yes, it's expensive, but it's not price gouged and it's not unfair, in my opinion. I think a lot of people, um, you know, honest mistake, but I think a lot of people think that anytime you have something made from China in bulk, it costs a dollar each. And the board and chips that are on there are going to be very expensive. There's, you know, there's no way this could be a cheap product. Even if they made 100,000 of them, it's still not going to be a cheap thing. So that's what I, when I said it's fairly priced and also fairly priced against the other options, I'm standing by that one. Um, I do, it's definitely expensive, but if this isn't in your budget, grab a Raspberry Pi for now and then save your money. Totally cool. The only other thing I didn't want to include was a load comparison because I don't know what's the fairest way to do a load comparison. Um, all of the Sega CDs I had access to were beat up in some way. I showed that Sega CD-1 in the video um, for really just as a, a nod to anybody who works on Sega CD-1s. I think everybody who has was shaking their head at that part. Uh, but my Sega CD-2 was equally as finicky. Um, and if I did any kind of comparison, um, it would have been mostly me showing how long it took to get the CD read and not anything else. Because once the CD's read, they're, you know, Sega CDs are okay, comparatively speaking to other, comp you know, other CD drives. So uh, I just wanted to leave that out altogether. But maybe another reviewer in the future would take the time to find a Sega CD, do a full recap on it, maybe have a new CD assembly that's been calibrated on a scope, uh, and if you have a Sega CD-1, add the new helical gear, and then do a start to finish comparison. So by the from the time that you press the CD tray in to the time you hit go on the Mega SD, I think that would be kind of a fair comparison. It's just not so common that people would have a fully restored Sega CD. So that's just my thoughts on those. Uh, other than that, I mean, everything else was on par, and I meant what I said, I really did buy two of them. Um, you know, I wouldn't have if I didn't like them. I think uh, a lot of people are just used to certain YouTubers that will hold up a product and talk about it because they enjoy getting free stuff. And, you know, I, I un completely understand when people see a review like this where anybody has early access and they assume it's an infomercial or they were paid off. Uh, I just I wish people would take a step back a bit and realize that even if, even if this was a payoff, I would never drop 40 hours of my life on something just to get something that's not worth a, you know, a full work week. <laughs> no offense. Uh, I, you know, and also anybody that's seen the channel knows that I have no problem saying if something sucks or if I have a problem with it. 
So, you know, it's always interesting when you branch out to different audiences and you see their reaction. But I'm sure all of you realize that I was straightforward and honest. And I meant what I said when I bought two of them. Uh, I owed Cousin Scott a favor, so I, I pre-ordered one for him and one for me. And I do like it that much. I really think it was worth buying two myself uh, and then sending the review unit on to the next person. So... Um, overall, I really hope everybody liked it. I, I enjoyed making this one, other than the Sega CD1 fia you know, fiasco that was in there. Uh, but I liked it. I enjoyed making it. I, I stood by the product, and I just enjoy that. Uh, how can I say this? It was really awesome have, feeling some of the nostalgia from being a kid and having a Sega CD, but without any of the crap that you have to deal with to get a Sega CD working. Probably didn't word that right. Uh, how about it's just awesome to plug a card in and play a Sega CD game on original hardware. <laughs> probably a better way to put it. But yeah, please check it out if you haven't already. And uh, you know, as always, I always appreciate the constructive criticism. So swing it my way if you have any. The Genesis game Ultra Core that was bundled with the Mega SG is now getting physical releases. Um, one was announced for the Genesis on an original cart, but unfortunately all of the pre-orders sold out immediately. Uh, however, Strictly Limited Games is also offering it on the Switch and other modern platforms as well for people that are interested. Um, definitely frustrates me when things sell out this quickly. Looks like Strictly Limited Games is following the same path as Limited Run and not making enough for people. Uh, but yeah, that stinks when it's a pre-order environment. I really wish people would take the time to make it enough for everybody, because I think there's a lot of Genesis fans that would love a game like that. And while I haven't spent too much time with it, whatever time I did spend on playing it on the Mega SG, I really enjoyed. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in the game, you can get it on any of the modern versions, and uh, I guess n no one's getting it on the Genesis now, because Strictly Limited didn't quite make enough. A bunch of new Super Nintendo prototypes were just released by The Hidden Palace, um, the games Run Saber, Arcade's Greatest Hits, Arrow the Acrobat 2, and The Death and Return of Superman all have prototype versions now available for people to try. Um, and I think one of the biggest differences is in Run Saber. Uh, you can see Ray did this awesome slider effect, thanks to Ray and Justin for implementing that. Um, but you're able to see the difference between prototype and final versions, and uh, they're both pretty cool. So. Um, anybody interested in prototype stuff or rare, uh, unreleased type of things for the Super Nintendo, please check this out. Last week, right before Too Many Games, I did a Skype interview with Yehel from Wrestling With Gaming. And uh, I don't really want to call it an interview, it's more like a typical podcast, two people talking type of thing. Um, so, you know, definitely if you haven't listened to it, keep that in mind. Uh, and of course, there was all the Skype stuff that happens that drives me crazy. The dead air and the you end up talking over each other because of the delay and stuff like that. So, you know, I always feel like such an idiot when I listen back at those because I hear all the times that I talked over him. And, you know, while sometimes I was just being a loudmouth drunk, there were many times where it was not intentional at all and I had waited for the break, but it turned out there wasn't a pause. So uh, I would certainly like to hear people's feedback on this if you don't mind commenting. Um, do I stop doing Skype interviews altogether or are people understanding of that's what goes on in Skype interviews? Also, do you want to see more podcasty style freeform stuff like this? Because um, I know, you know, this isn't, you know, it's not an official interview, it's more kind of a laid back thing. And to be honest, I'm always going to do the content that I feel like doing. I really enjoyed doing this, and I'd really like to do more. But I want to, at the very least, present it in a way that everybody's happy with. So is this something that should be on a second channel? Is this something, you know, whatever else? But 
I don't know, interested in your feedback. And if you'd like to hear a conversation with two buddies drinking, talking about all of our videos and YouTube drama and all the other craziness, then maybe throw it on, uh, you know, throw it on in your car or on the subway or something on the way to work. Um, all interviews, whether they're long podcast style or just short interviews, will always be available on audio-only platforms like iTunes. Um, and while, of course, I would love to see click numbers go through the roof, uh, I really recommend most people listen to things like that, whatever is easiest for them. And in most cases, it's going to be like iTunes, Google Play, podcast apps, and stuff like that. So anyway, interested to hear what people have to think. Stika recently interviewed Eli from Pico Interactive. Um, and I was kind of appalled throughout the whole interview. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll just give the facts, and then I'll give a very quick opinion. But... Um, the fact is, Stika did a great job. Um, Stika always seems to find a way to break down language barriers in a way where it like puts everybody at ease. Um, and I just, I really enjoy that. And I especially, I always say it, I know it sounds cheesy, but I like making the world smaller. I don't ever want anybody to feel uncomfortable because of a language barrier. And uh, as always, Stika nailed it. There definitely wasn't a language barrier here at all, um, meaning Eli, not Stika. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we really got to hear directly from Eli and what he had to say. Um, and the only other fact I will add is that I, I strongly, well, opinion fact, I just strongly recommend that everybody that might be buying a Pico product listen to this interview. It's an hour long. I know it's a lot, but you might want to know what you're getting yourself into. So those are like the more just, just the facts type of thing. Um, my, my opinions on this, though... I'll keep them as quick as possible, but, you know, usually when you hear somebody at ease in an interview get to tell their side of the story, a lot of misconceptions are always cleared up. In the case with, um, uh, like, with Polymega, like, I completely had a, a renewed understanding of Brian and Polymega and how they worked, and I completely changed my opinion, and it's like that in interviews that I listen to as well. Very often you hear somebody else's side of the story, and you go, oh, all right, I didn't never looked at it that way. And I get the opposite reaction from this. Um, there were some horrific things in there, at least in my opinion. One of the ones that really struck me was when he, uh, when Stika very, very graciously and cautiously asked about people who complained about um, th products that showed up in less than the quality, much less than the quality that was expected. And Eli's response was, yeah, well, all companies have problem, have misspellings and problems with their stuff. Uh, if people want a replacement, I told them, just give me the order number and buy something else from the store, and I'll send you a replacement. Okay, so you are given an opportunity to tell your side of the story and to try to get people to understand your point of view, and you just told everybody that to get what they paid for, they have to buy something else. The other thing that drove me crazy was when people were talking about, or when he was talking about the Jim Powers Genesis game, uh, and he was really harping on people that had contacted him, I forgot Reddit or a forum, and you know he was really harping on those people and completely missed the point. The the people that were upset with him didn't so much care that they didn't get the Genesis ROM. They cared that they were promised it, and not not only are they not getting it, he talked about opening up a Kickstarter to do the Genesis ROM for it. So it's not getting the ROM that was the problem. It's the fact that you promised this as part of something. You didn't deliver it. Fine, cool, I understand that it was a package deal. But now if they actually want the thing that they were promised, they have to buy it again in an upcoming Kickstarter? It just it blew my mind. And then his talk about level shifters, rather than just saying, I don't know, and you know, I'll just spend a few dollars to fix it, it was five minutes of him babbling 
uh, not making any sense whatsoever. So, uh, but honestly, this is, I was really going into this expecting to see, to hear a side of a story that I didn't un- understand. I was expecting to change my opinions at least a little bit. And now I could confidently say I will never buy something from Pico as long as Eli is the one in charge of all of that. Um, I just think that you have no idea what you're going to get. You have no support. You have no guarantee. And I think my biggest reasons for believing that is coming from the CEO's mouth himself. So I really wish I wasn't so negative about this. I wish there was some happy story I could tell. Um, but I, please listen for yourself. Uh, and and definitely, once again, I know I've said it a bunch of times, but big props to Stika. I tried to give him props in the uh, the conversation with Yahel from Wrestling With Gaming but it came out all wrong because I was many, many drinks deep. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but this is what I meant when I was talking about Stika, all the positivity. I, you know, I meant it that way when I talked about it with Yahel. It just fell out of my face the wrong way. So please give this one a listen and please support Stika if you want more of these interviews because uh, I really always enjoy them. Mike Chi, the creator of the RetroTink products, has just teased a new SCART to component converter. Um, the price point is going to aim to be under 50 so I'm not sure if that means $49 or, or less than that, but he's certainly aiming for the price to be less than 50 uh, And I'm very excited about this. Now, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I test one, of course, but based on Mike's history, I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty decent quality piece of equipment. And as Steve and I found last summer when we did the video that never aired, sorry, I'm still working on that, <laughs> uh, most of the RGB to component converters out there are terrible. The two that are at the moment that are decent are the Shiny Bow, which is great at, um, I think it was $90 or something plus shipping. And then there's that other one that you can get for about 50 that could be good if you calibrate it under a scope but if you just buy it and use it without any kind of calibration, it's normally just total garbage. Uh, and the power supply that comes with it is really bad too. It, could, uh, it, it doesn't overheat, but you would have to buy a second power supply if you really wanted to run it efficiently. So if Mike could deliver the same quality as even the cheap one, but without calibration needed for the same price, essentially under $50, this would be the go-to. Um, and you know, of course, keep in mind, whenever you have converters like this, um, it's a generic converter, so it's impossible for it to be flawless. Um, and that's why even in the upcoming video, if I ever get it out, I, I never compare the HD retrovisions to like the shiny bow, cause that's not fair. That's a cable that's designed for a specific console versus a device that's designed to take any signal and output it in a, a different format. So, uh, I think I'll hold off now that this is being released and include this in the, uh, review. But I'm really excited to see how it is because this could be a, a game changer for people that just need a cheap device. Maybe uh, you know, maybe you're looking for an RGB setup eventually, but you just found a component CRT or a component input on your TV. Maybe your flat screen accepts 240p over component. So um, I don't know. I could. There's another minute's worth of listing I could do for reasons why this could be very important. So let's all cross our fingers. Hope this thing's awesome. And as soon as I get one in. To test, I'll make sure to let everybody know. Well, even though we're only a few days out from Too Many Games, I just announced that I will also be doing that same panel at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. Um, and this is the same presentation that I'm going to be doing at a few expos this year. And I'm really enjoying that I get to share this with people. It's kind of like a culmination of all the years I've spent working on dialing in the best setup. Uh, and this is the best setup for everybody's scenario. So 
you know, the, the cheapest option starts at around $30 and the most expensive is how, however much you want to spend. So uh, I really enjoy doing this. I'm going to keep working on it for a bit and try to get it perfect. And then I'll eventually make a, a video of it. So for all of those people that asked me to post a video of the panel, um, I, I did get video at Too Many Games, but it came out terrible. I didn't have anybody there to help me like adjust the cameras and stuff. Uh, I might take video at this one, but this is the goal of this is to bring this live to people, but then eventually put out a, a really nice high quality video. So, um, you know, I really appreciate when people come live and experience these things. No matter how good a video could ever possibly be, there's no way to really get it unless you have the equipment in front of you. So those of you with CRTs at home and have messed with this stuff will get it. But I really think that if you have the opportunity to see the, you know, this presentation live to do it, because it might change your mind on a few things. Or might not. Hopefully you're still entertained at least a little bit. But if you're going to the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo, please maybe show up early. Check out my panel and then go wander about. And, and that's a really great one too, because that's also at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. So if you like planes as much as I do, you get them both for the same price. You get a very awesome expo, a ton of different things, and you get to go look at all the planes as well. So I really hope to see everybody there that can make it. Um, I, I, if you couldn't tell, I very much enjoy doing these things, and uh, hopefully I can improve even more from the last one. There are some unfortunate updates to the Dream PSU and Saturn PSU project. Uh, as we spoke a few weeks ago now, the creator said that he couldn't get a hold of the manufacturer even after he paid, uh, and he asked some people locally to try to get a hold of them, and they couldn't as well. So it seems like the project's dead, which also unfortunately means that everybody who hasn't gotten a refund yet probably won't get one. Um, the other side of it is as a result, the creator has posted the design files for all of these things up on GitHub, available for free for anybody to do with whatever they want. Um, now, I don't know this person at all. I've never spoken to, never exchanged any messages with, but I do have kind of an opinion on this. And I'm sorry that I've thrown all these opinions at you this episode, but um, I don't feel like he necessarily did anything wrong or if it was his fault. Uh, now, of course, you could always, in hindsight, wa wag your finger at people and say, why didn't you register an LLC, get business insurance, all that stuff. But the truth is, this is, I think, the second run of these PSUs that he's done. And everything worked fine the first time. And everything should have gone well this time, but it didn't. And if it's a scenario in which the manufacturer he used went out of business, um, the money's gone forever. I've been in those situations in uh, the corporate world before. And it's one of those things where it's like, eh, write it off go through insurance, whatever else. But when you have a personal project like this, it hits hard. So I don't know for sure. Maybe he took all the money and spent it on beer and pizza, uh, but I don't think so. I just get the impression that this could happen to any one of us. Uh, and you know, it stinks. That means a lot of people probably won't get their money back. And you have every right to be upset. You have every right to say or feel whatever you'd like. Uh, I just wanted to politely remind everybody that there are a lot of cases where we could all correctly say that uh, it was somebody's fault. And I really don't get the impression that anybody did anything wrong in this case. I think this was just really terrible luck. So, uh, you know, sorry for spewing more opinions at you, but I just would hate to see, I'd hate to see this guy burned at the stake for doing just for doing the same thing he already did that already succeeded once. So I don't know, maybe I'm just in a sympathetic mood, but uh, try to be nice if you could, I guess. 
And lastly, Genovi recently posted a video on why did Sega fail? And it goes through the history of Sega and all the different consoles and Genovi's take on what he thinks happened. And to be honest, it's a, you know, it's a subject that's been talked about a lot, but I always really appreciate the way Genovi um, presents things to people. So I very much enjoyed watching the video, even though I already knew the story. Uh, there were certainly some, th some facts or tidbits that maybe I didn't know, but just overall, I really enjoyed watching the video. And to be honest, that's why I, that's why I'm late talking about it in the roundup, because I watched the first half and then forgot to watch the second half and then forgot to do the write-up. <laughs> so I'm a little bit late talking about this, but if, uh, if you're a Sega fan, definitely check it out because it's just a, a fun and enjoyable video. Well, that's it for this week. Glad I made it through this one. It's, uh, it feels like it's about 90 degrees and 100% humidity in here, and I obviously can't have the AC on while doing these, so uh, I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> but as always, thanks so much to everybody that watches and listens. Thanks, of course, to everybody who supports the channel. Uh, always appreciate that so much, and I'll see you next week.